Hey, Jim Minnery here with I'm Glad You Said That. Thanks so much for tuning in today, uh, February 16th, 2022. Really glad to have you on the program today and uh, very blessed to have an interesting guest uh, on the program. His name is Michael Thiessen. I'm guessing you haven't heard of him, but uh, he's a Canadian A, uh, and he has 20 years of pastoral ministry experience. Um, but he's also very involved in a lot of interesting uh, arenas that are aligned with what we do. He's uh, He has his master's degree um, with a focus in New Testament and ethics from uh, Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. He also holds a, a doctor of ministry degree. Um, he's been a, a pastor. He's been He served in Mozambique for a while, director of a small college. And he now leads, uh, he's the lead pastor of Christ the King Fellowship, just north of Toronto, Canada, in Ontario. Um, His major research project was called Responding to Our Hemorrhaging Faith in Canada uh, by Exploring a Family Integrated Church Model as a Solution. Um, He's also a... um, He's one of the things that I, I most wanted to discuss with him is he serves as the Liberty Coalition Canada as the founder and president. And so with all that's going on in Canada right now with uh, truckers um, and, uh, you know, the freedom rallies, he has been instrumental in that country in starting the Liberty Coalition which is basically an organization to say, hey, listen, we, we have uh, come to a place now. In fact, well, let me just read it to you. It says uh, about us, if you go to libertycoalitioncanada.com, uh, Canadians, quote, Canadians are growing fearful and stressed with the broad loss of their freedoms. Liberty Coalition Canada arms them with a clarion Christian analysis of current events to diagnose the breakdown of liberty in Canada educating on human rights and constitutional freedoms with legal backing to defend rights and freedoms, unquote. So we'll have a great conversation with Michael Thiessen here today uh, about some of the stuff that's going on. It's it's very uh, surreal to see it going on so close to home. Obviously, uh, we're right in, be, uh, you know, Canada's right in between us and the lower 48. Um, and so the, the lockdowns and, um, you know, what's going on with the churches there, some of the pastors actually being drug off, uh, you know, their front porches and, and thrown in jail. It's, it's, uh, it's chilling. Um, and yet uh, there's a sense of, um, of optimism that I, in, in the conversations that I've had with Michael already, and, uh, you know, that it's an opportunity more than anything else, as, as it always is, as believers, because we are in, uh, um, we're visitors, uh, we're sojourners. And so that's fascinating to me that he has that ability to keep that perspective. He's very well aware. In fact, one of the things that he mentions um, is that, you know, the number one thing that, uh, that we can do is realize how important America is as a city on the hill. So uh, we have a lot of responsibility, not just for our country and for our neighborhoods, but for the rest of the world watching us because of the great American experiment and and how we need to keep that um, humming along despite all the pushback. So um, anyway, a couple different things before we go into our interview. Uh, P.J. O'Rourke died. I don't know if most of you have heard of him. He's, uh, you know, there's a little bit of a... um, 
There's a little bit of an edge to his readings, but I think he's uh, no doubt one of the most brilliant um, you know, writers when it comes to analyzing both parties and, and having humor. One of his favorite quotes that I just read, um, again, uh, from P.J. O'Rourke is, The Democrats are the party that says government will make you smarter, taller, richer, and remove the crabgrass on your lawn. Republicans are the party that says government doesn't work, and then they get elected and prove it. Um, so that that's a great uh, insight into uh, into a lot of different things in that we don't put our hope in princes or princes, um, but we do uh, need to continue to work within the system that we have. It's not the uh, the greatest in uh, it is the greatest in the world. I would I would say um, in America it's not uh, perfect though, uh, but we continue to need to uh, dive in and find opportunities to elect biblically aligned. Uh, individuals with integrity. It's one of the reasons why I believe we haven't had the opportunities down in Juneau that we could have because some of those folks who were elected as Republicans decided to uh, give power over to the Democrats. And of course, when that happens, our agenda dies. Um, But we do have some opportunities coming up, not only in November, but we also have opportunities in uh, in the spring, actually here in April, coming up very soon in Anchorage. So we'll be involved in sending out some guides and some um, endorsements here in the Anchorage Assembly to see if we can give Mayor Dave Bronson a little bit more help there. So stay tuned. Um, another thing I wanted to mention is that we still have, although we're just about sold out um, in our Dennis Prager um, event Coming up, our Dennis Breaker dinner at the Hotel Captain Cook on Saturday, May 21st. There are still a few sponsorship tables that the higher level tables, because uh, all the lower level tables and individual seats have been sold out. Um, but if you are in a position to be able to get a few other folks or your business um, to be able to, to sponsor a table, go to akfamily.org, akfamily.org, and we still have a few sponsorship tables available for Dennis Prager. Another thing that we'd like to mention uh, is that we've, we've said this multiple times, but we are going to be very much uh, advocating and have already advocating for a constitutional convention. And uh, we can go into great detail about that and have in, 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 at other times, but just suffice it to say the life issue, the school choice issue, and judicial reform are the, the three primary reasons why we are so interested in doing it. Yes, there is a risk, but there's always a risk. When you elect people, uh, who's going to get uh, elected? And yet that's part of the process. And we, we've reached a place right now where there's a lot that we simply cannot do without this convention taking place. And, and uh, it's a massive hurdle, but it's one that we've um, that we've elected to, to, to take on. And so one of the things that we'd like to be able to do is have a couple interns over uh, the next several months up until uh, November. And that's everything from research to marketing to, you know, direct phone calling, uh, admin stuff, uh, you know, all sorts of different things. But so if you have, um, you know, uh, a student that you're aware of that uh, is either in college or even high school, uh, we can provide credit as an intern. Have them uh, have them get a hold of me directly if you could. It's jim at akfamily.org, jim at akfamily.org. And uh, we'll definitely get um, folks who are qualified and passionate about uh, helping us to get that constitutional convention um, 
you know, voted on in November. So uh, looking for interns, uh, send an email to jim at akfamily.org. Um, as always, we want to thank our friends over at Rieger Physical Therapy. That's Rieger, P-T, R-E-G-E-R-P-T.com. Go over there and avail yourselves of the services that Cortland um, has uh, for you, including his whole team. And uh, we're just uh, ever grateful for his ability to see how important this program is and also provide an exceptional service here in Anchorage for physical therapy. So RiggerPT.com, uh, R-E-G-E-R-P-T.com. Uh, so we'll be right back, um, folks, after this first break. We're going to be speaking with Michael Thiessen. And as I mentioned, he is the uh, the founder and president of Liberty Coalition Canada. He has a lot of other things going on. We'll talk about some of those things, too. Fascinating individual, um, has a great Canadian accent, eh? So it should be interesting. Stick around. You're listening to I'm Glad You Said That. And we'll be right back uh, with Michael Thiessen after this short break. Jim Minnery on I'm Glad You Said That. Fascinated to have my first international guest on board, Michael Thiessen. Uh, welcome to the show, and thanks so much for taking some time with us today. Oh, it's great to be on with you, Jim. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's like I, we were talking about offline. There's just so many different ways, that uh, directions that we can go in terms of your involvement with the Liberty Coalition Canada, uh, you know, your your involvement with the Ezra Institute that I'm just now learning about. That's a fascinating group. Um, you know, so many different things going on, and they all look like they're God-honoring. God so I can't thank you enough for your influence in Canada. And to for folks, um, I'm guessing most of them don't know you that are tuned in today, so maybe give them the quick bio um, of what brought you to the place where you're at right now and, and, uh, and how, how the journey has brought you to this place. Yeah, so Jim, uh, way back in 2020 when um, our government, uh, like your government, shut down our economy and enforced certain types of lockdowns and things like that, um, uh, there were a number of us pastors who were very concerned about the closure of churches. And so in the same way that um, uh, Pastor MacArthur in in California and uh, a number of the nine Marx guys uh, in the U.S., uh, they went to the Supreme Court in the U.S. to stay open, and then they won their cases uh, quite quickly. In Canada, we still have not yet been to court. And so a number of us have kept our churches open. And uh, for keeping those churches open, we face fines up to three years in jail and up to $300,000 in fines. And um, so a group of us decided to join together and and strategize together and try to support one another. And we formed what's called the Liberty Coalition Canada, which is, which is, you know, turned into a movement that um, basically tries to analyze from a Christian worldview what's going on in Canada and also at the same time provide legal support and advocacy support for those people who are trying to stand up. Um, the U.S., I believe, is, is wide open right now, Jim, and um, yet here in Canada we remain in significant lockdowns. And just yesterday, on Valentine's Day, 
our prime minister declared a state of emergency, a, um, a equivalent to a wartime um, measures act in order to shut down a peaceful protest of Canadians who have said after two years of mandates and lockdowns and masks and forced vaccinations that uh, they've had enough. And so our government has responded by not listening to them and has responded by saying, well, no, we're going to declare a state of an emergency nationwide. And so Canada is in a terrible uh, position politically right now. We're in a, a terrible position when it comes down to law enforcement. Uh, it's, it is like living in martial law. Um, it, people's bank accounts are now going to be reviewed and, 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 and potentially frozen by our, our government. And so Liberty Coalition Canada and myself, we've just been trying to stand up and investigate the truthful scenario, uh, the truthful information, and act upon that according to uh, God's word. Well, that's amazing. It's just it, it's it's chilling to see. We had as you, you may not have known that, but we we were involved. My wife and I and, and uh, some family members in a fairly uh, for us it was a big um, event in terms of you know truckers for miles and miles uh, you know going to a, a specific location from Anchorage, a place called Eagle River. And uh, it was a it was a big gathering in, in trying to do that in solidarity with our neighbors in Canada, and it was really just stunning how um, you know how many people engaged. And I guess the question that I think maybe a lot of people have is where does where do you see this ending up? Are you saying right now that in um, in Canada you still can't attend church services without uh, the big thumb of government uh, trying to to keep you out of the congregation? Yeah, I'll just be really specific. We are not allowed to attend church services without um, abiding by specific government regulations. And so different provinces have different regulations on church services right now. It changes almost weekly. Um, I don't personally even know what the restrictions are anymore because they've changed so many times, but it would be like capacity limits. Certain provinces have entertained or adapted um, um, uh, vaccination passports to go to church. And um, I know of at least one province right now, I believe it is New Brunswick, that is in complete lockdown, which means that in that province, uh, people can't even attend church. So um, this, this has been going on for two years now. While in the United States, you guys won early court cases in the Supreme Court, we we, we, we haven't even seen anything go to court yet. Uh, we're in the middle of our first constitutional challenge with one of our churches in order to um, decide on the constitutionality of all of these measures. So, yes, no, we're, we're in significant lockdown. M many churches who have promoted the vaccine passport or who are happy to comply with every whim of the government – uh, they would they would feel quite normal and open in the sense of um, you know what what their objectives would be, but you know people who go there have to register, people who go there have to wear masks inside all, the entire time, um, people who go there are told to socially distance, and there's capacity limits on on all of these church gatherings. So you know people can't fellowship or see each other's face; they just come in and sit down and pretend to sing and go out. Uh, it's it's uh, really, like I said, chilling is probably the best way of putting it because 
especially in Alaska, we have a kindred spirit towards our Canadian brothers and sisters. And, and I'm just looking at this raw footage from uh, Archer uh, Pulaski. Um, and, you know, he, he, he's made, you know, international waves in terms of his arrest and the SWAT team and all that stuff coming down on him for refusing to, to not give in to the Calgary, um, you know, militia, but, but what, is he unusual or do you, or do you see other, are you seeing other people that are in the pastoral ministries, um, being, uh, being, um, you know, jailed? Well, um, it has been – Alberta has been the only province that has jailed pastors. Uh, it began with James Coates and uh, Pastor Tim Stevens, uh, two gentlemen who I know very well, and um, I appreciate their their solid biblical ministry um, and their temperament. And, yeah, no, both, both of those men face jail time um, even more significantly than um, Art has faced – um, I don't know Pastor Art all that well, um, but what you see is that these are some of the more public cases. Like in Ontario, um, the case against Trinity Bible Chapel is one of the more um, one of the more uh, open uh, or public uh, cases, and that that's simply because um, every pastor has had a different threshold and those of us who are trying to stay open um have you know been bothered differently so um uh we were you know the, the broader the broader issue is that canadian culture has decided to worship at the god of secularism and that is the state and so in denying god's word on um how we are saved by christ uh, through faith by denying God's word on, you know, listening to the moral will of God, you know, the, the eternal moral will of God expressed in the Ten Commandments and then uh, codified in, in, in civil law. Our, our country has now turned and they've, they've, they've put all of their hope in secular experts and those secular experts all have their own uh, political will. And so you just have Canadians you know, bowing at the idol of the state. And what's what's being revealed right now in Canada is that 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 state idol, uh, our our prime minister, Justin Trudeau, he has great hair, but he's got horns coming out of his head. And he <laughs> is an idealist. And um I, I say that with all sincerity. We have our prime minister on camera, um bowing to the World Economic Forum, talking about behavioral and structural changes um, philosophically in our nation. And that is all behest to an antichrist uh, type of figure. And of course, you you know from Second uh, John chapter 2, or I think it's First John chapter 2 actually, where you know there's many antichrists that have come throughout world history, and they are simply people who uh, attain power and attain power with the specific desire to eliminate faith. And um, our prime minister would sit in that category. And unfortunately, our nation bowed to him. They voted him in. And now he is showing his true colors, uh, not just a uh, not just a liberal red, but more of a fiery furnace flame red. Well, you know, it's... Uh... 
It's very intriguing to think of all, like you said, um, it's like Satan brings up these individuals throughout the course of history. Um, I believe Adolf Hitler being one, and and you can go on and on and on about different um, leaders that have been brought up testing because he doesn't know when uh, ultimately when Christ will return and and the battle begins and rages, but it's like he's testing. And I'm I'm just – you know, very curious as to your take. We're going to take our first break here in a minute, folks. We're we're meeting, um, we're we're visiting with Michael Thiessen. He's um, he's involved in a lot of different things. Um, we're talking about the Liberty Coalition, and you know, obviously what's going on in, in Ottawa. But there's there's all sorts of history here that we can address because we've watched it from afar. Always saying, hey, what happens in the UK or what happens in Canada is coming our way. And a lot of times that has played out in terms of same-sex marriage and you know other very liberal policies. But um, I want to talk a little bit more about just the church in Canada when we come back. So, folks, stick around. You're you're uh, you're listening to. I'm glad you said that with Jim Minery with Alaska Family Council. We're speaking with uh, with Michael Thiessen of Liberty Coalition Canada and a bunch of other groups. We'll be right back. Jim Minnery, with I'm glad you said that I'm speaking with uh, Michael Thiessen. He is um, involved with a group called Liberty Coalition Canada, and it's not only um, you know the Liberty Defense Fund helping churches that have been um, you know oppressed um, during this two-year now COVID lockdown. We you can think of the the worst place in um, in America, whether that's you know California or New York. Um, Canada is that on steroids and, you know, but yet we still have, just like in every country, uh, we have followers of Christ that are having to deal with this. Um, but, you know, I guess one of the things that a lot of people are, are curious about is, do you see the, uh, cause I have read some pieces to say that Trudeau has awoken a giant, um, in Canada, um, we, we're always kind of going back and forth with 50-50 in, in America where, okay, well, next election we'll get someone back in, in office that's going to that's gonna represent our values and, and protect our religious liberties and that kind of thing. And, of course, now we're not at that place with uh, President Biden. But do you see Trudeau's time being numbered or do you see this emboldening him and those who support him? This is a major battle for worldviews, and so um, it's really, really hard to say. Um, two days ago, two days ago, I tweeted out that uh, I felt like Justin Trudeau's days were numbered, and two days later, based upon how uh, how he's responded, uh, you just wonder, you know, if Canadians, you know, continue to to stomach this. Uh, Socialism. The, the the difficulty is right now is that the church is not unified, and so when you say that you know Trudeau has awoken a giant, um, there's still many, 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 many churches. You know we we've been dealing with um, the we've been dealing with the marketing scheme of pragmatism. You know the customer's always right. Tell people about Jesus in a way that's palatable for them. You know, even in the United States, Tim Keller just tweeted out a number of 
days ago, you know, about how this individual shared their faith and they shared it in a way that was palatable for the culture. Um, evangelicalism has um, been confused by the idea of pragmatism versus pastoral theology. And um, the, the evangelical church has been confused between rationalism um, living by reason and presuppositionalism, which is living by faith and reasoning out of your faith. And these are uh, very important issues whereby um, it's being revealed in Canada that the, the church is divided. So even though Trudeau keeps pushing a real socialist agenda and, and, and qualifies that agenda and, 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 gives witness to that agenda through absolute false testimony, like like lying from start to finish, whether it was the medical evidence or lying about what's going on with the protest, the trucker convoy. So uh, all of this has uh, a, a church in Canada confused. And uh, so we're reeling from that. And I don't know if he's awoken a giant because – um, I still look around my area and the pastors are still very silent or they're against us standing for liberty. Um, we, there's a great division in the church. So I just think that the, the church in Canada is a, just, a, just teetering on the, on the cliff of, of falling off the cliff. We'll see if there has been momentum in the greater, the greater Canadian community who just, you know, values that, a God-given, God-created norm of uh, desiring liberty. Well, it's weird because we had, in, in our history, of course, it was known as the Black-Robed Regiment, and we brought that up often in our uh, battles here, that, you know, that pastors were very, very engaged at the beginning of our nation and, you know, took off their robes. <laughs> And and, uh, and 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 bore arms to go out and fight for the liberties that that we secured here in our country. But what are the what are the roots uh, in Canada in terms of I, I can't I can't uh, you know tell you what the, that I know much of anything about the roots of Canada and, and its um, it, it's establishing itself as a place as a beacon for freedom. Of those first freedoms was what John Adams called them, the, the, the religious liberty um, and the ability to to worship um, as you see fit. Is that something that's enshrined in the um, in the founding of Canada? Uh, there are two key differences to Canadian history than American history. First of all, um, Canadians did not fight for independence. Um, uh, we live with a history where um, some very shrewd um, French entrepreneurs um, went to the king of France and said, um, we'd, we'd, like a, we'd like a nation. And he wasn't interested in the, in the fur trade as much as the king of England. So they went to the king of England and, and all of the fur trade began. And at some point um, when our nation had developed enough, um, and we went to Confederation, uh, we actually just went to the Brits and said, could we just have that land that's kind of full of swamp and cold and winter? And, or do you want to keep having to defend it against the Americans? You know, as long as the British are in 
North America, then the, 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 the Americans are going to want to conquer Canada. But if you leave and you give it to us, um, then the, the, the need for, for you defending this piece of land uh, it, you know, allows you to redeploy your troops. And so Canadians have never fought for our own nation. We've been peacekeepers abroad. We've fought in the world wars, of course, and have a, an exemplary record there. Um, but we've never had to fight for our own ground um, as far as uh, it goes with uh, since Confederation. And so there's, there's that side of the story. And then the other side of the story is that our Constitution is much weaker than the U.S. Constitution. Um, our, all of our fundamental freedoms are, um, are limited with a clause in our Constitution that gives permission to our government to, to ramrod over those rights if they have justifiable, um, demonstrable evidence that they should do it. And of course, mm. our government is not given an ounce of evidence this entire time. They've not had to do it in court. Um, our liberal courts uh, keep um, just saying, look, we're in the state of a pandemic. Let's deal with it when we're out of it. So they're not they're not dealing with this directly. And so, um, yeah, the legal climate and the historical climate in Canada are much different than the U.S., where you have a much more robust constitution. And your history does involve Christians thinking about ethical warfare. I'm thinking of how Martin Luther had to think through this, um, where he, he had to think through the role of a Christian soldier. And uh, you see it in the Declaration of Independence, great calculation and much of that calculation being religious in nature on on fighting for freedom here here in canada we have not had that same type of rigor even though earlier on we would have proclaimed to be a christian nation and we did have many laws that reflected that we were a christian nation well it looks as though i'm just doing you know the the standard wikipedia but you you've had about you know, the same number of at least self-professing um, Christians, uh, you know, that's it, about, well, it's, it, it looks like 22 million. I don't know if that number makes sense, but you, your, your, pot, your total population of 26 million in 1991 went up to 29 million in 2001, and the latest figure is 32 million. But the number of total self-professing Christians is right about the same. 22 million, and uh, which is a significantly high number, but it, it always comes down to what does that mean? What, how does that faith animate them? Um, and what is the United Church of Canada and the Anglican Church of Canada? Is it? Uh, do you have bastions of conservative and liberal and in between in the United Church of Canada and Anglican Church? Um, no. So whatever number you're looking at would be far too high. Um, the, the actual number of Bible-believing Christians in Canada is about 3% of the total population. We are a secularized nation. Uh, the United Church of Canada, I wouldn't even call it a church anymore. Their creed uh, that's been updated in the last decade uh, is more of a... Um, pantheistic or polytheistic document that it, that it has anything to do with Christianity. Um, the Anglican Church, uh, there would be a, a small remnant faithful uh, in that group, but the vast majority of them do not believe in the authority of God's word. They would promote a radical 
um, homosexual agenda. Um, they, they they would be against the the, the Bible believing church in Canada. Um, the Roman Catholic Church, um, there is some strength there, but again, they they they're battling quite significantly with their own school boards, where their the school boards are not representing the historic um, Catholic faith even. Hey, oh, let's take. No, um, sorry to interrupt. Sorry to interrupt, Mike. We're going to take our, our our last break real fast, folks. Be right back after this short message. Keeson, just a fascinating discussion about the history of the um, of the church in Canada and, and how it differs from us. I mean, it's one thing that we should be very grateful for here um, that we have, you know, put inalienable rights in our constitution that cannot be, um, you know, taken away. Although it's obviously something that is, it varies by state and depending on how hard they're um, they're fighting. For but it looks as though one of your major research projects was responding. Uh, it's called "Responding to Our Hemorrhaging Faith in Canada by Exploring a Family Integrated Church Model as a Solution." That's fascinating to me um, because um, you know you see that in America as well. That there's a lot of folks that are just that are just deciding to go with the home-based or family-based churches. What does that mean when you say a family integrated church in Canada? Yeah, so this is a conversation that I've been having in uh, in Canada and in the U.S. for uh, over a decade. Um, one of the one of the areas where the church continues to slip into pragmatism and it continues to slip into secularism is that church ministries have actually um, developed their philosophy of ministry to children based upon cognitive development theory. And, um, you know, in counseling, you would call this an eclectic view. Um, in uh, the, the world of, uh, you know, children's ministry, you would, you would call this like the attractional approach or you would call this the age-appropriate um, approach. And uh, the idea is that you teach children at the level that they can understand within the church. Uh, the issue that I that I have discovered is that Scripture is far more concerned with par- the parental role and is far more concerned with the parental role in a child's life in the real world. And that mm-hmm. children, uh, you know, they're, um, they learn by watching, that, you know, they catch much more than uh, when they're watching individuals, you know, you know, caught, not taught would be like a little ism. So um, I started exploring what does scripture say versus all of the different philosophies of ministry in the church. And what I discovered as a senior pastor and within my writing, and so within our experimenting at the church, is that um, it is, significantly important for pastors to reinforce the parental role structurally within their church. 
So if I say from the pulpit, it's really important that fathers lead the home and family worship, that fathers lead their children in, in you know, examples of ministry, and that, that fathers and mothers um, are, you know, they lead their children so that the children can watch them and learn how they listen to sermons or sing praises to the Lord or take notes. Um, you actually have to plan for that. And right now, pastors are doing everything they can to take away children from the parent. They're following the world's parameters of how children are to be taught, and they are removing the, the kids from every experience at the church. And so what's happening is we have a generation of young adults, and we've been having this for a number of generations. Uh, Ken Ham's written a great book called, called Already Gone, um, where Young adults don't know how to mimic the faith of their parents because they no longer have the faith of their parents because they've been shaped by entertainment and they've been shaped by the lowest common denominator. Um, I, I know I've been rambling on. I'll just finish this point with this one thought. Not only when we're trying to do age-appropriate training in the church, but then you have these young, zealous youth pastors or evangelists who say, yes, but we can't teach robust Christian worldview in the church, because what if we have a non-Christian come? So, so not only do you have age-appropriate learning that removes children from the parents' presence, but then you have teaching that is always to the lowest common denominator of child who is in the room, which is usually a basic gospel presentation, but nothing about developing a resilient young adult who understands how to apply Scripture in the real world. Because they haven't watched their parents, they haven't walked with their parents, and... Um, the content by which they are being taught is frivolous, almost. No, I couldn't agree more with you, uh, Michael. The, the The reality is that you know I, I have three kids kids in my small town of Anchorage, Alaska, that go to three different private schools, all three Christian schools, but for whatever reason, they're just they're, it's a different fit for each one. Um, but they're great schools. It's just that I can tell you pretty much in no uncertain terms that. Um, a, a robust Christian worldview is not being taught. We happen to deal with this issue as a ministry, and so my kids are sort of immersed in it with my wife and I both involved in the ministry. But I, from a from a perspective, certainly they're being taught the exact opposite of what their faith is in the public school setting, and it's why we don't have our kids in public school anymore. But even in the private uh, Christian school level, um, and certainly in our churches too, I could say that the, the majority of the youth pastors probably are not teaching um, a Christian biblical worldview and apologetics training um, to our youth, and so are, 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 they're in the church. And so, how can we expect them to compete in the marketplace of ideas when the culture at large is so against them in every capacity, and we're not even teaching them? I love the fact that one of the things that you're involved in is this Ezra Institute, and I'm just I, – I'd, I'd like to maybe even have you on again at some point and talk specifically about that. But it looks as though um, – well, I just love these four points. It says that the Ezra Institute were working to restore gospel confidence among God's people, renew understanding of the scope and power of the Word of God, rebuild a Christian philosophy of life for every sphere, and recover 
a message of redemption that claims all of creation as the theater of God's glory. That's a beautiful statement. And I, one of the things that I'm fascinated with is that you have this uh, Worldview Youth Academy um, to address some of those issues that you've talked about. I, I just think it's wonderful that there are opportunities for our kids to be able to do that, but it's not an at-large thing that it's just going to happen unless we are much more proactive than we are now. Um, and what would you say uh, to the a Christian here in America who's feeling overwhelmed by these um, these mandates, the reality that our faith is becoming more and more marginalized, uh, that they're feeling, um, you know, basically pushed, being pushed to the fringes of society? What what kind of encouragement would you give to a Christian here in in the United States? Well, I, I, would, I would give two specific encouragements. Um, the first one is a little bit of a slogan. Um, save America, save the world. Um, and, and what I mean by that is um, the U.S. has enough historic roots and enough cultural capital still to be a beacon, to be that to, – you know, to, I, I want to say the whole nation, but for the Christians – and for uh, for those who can influence culture and can influence the world uh, to be a salt and light, uh, they, they can the, the U.S. can still be a nation on a hill that cannot be hidden. And mm. um, if I truly believe that if the U.S. were to fall right now uh, into liberalism and secularism, the way that way that the rest of the world is going, then the the decline of uh, of Western civilization would 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 run really, really quickly down a very steep slope into a, you know, burning cauldron of, of, of fire. Um, the second thing I would say is that um, train your young adults with, with, uh, with worldview training. That is why I'm a part of the Ezra Institute. Uh, Dr. Joe Boots, the founder of the Ezra Institute, is a good friend of mine. He does, uh, he, he started noticing that questions in culture were, were being posed differently to people. So instead of saying, hey, can you prove that the Bible is, is um, you know, reliable, the, the question was like, I don't care whether it's reliable. The, the Bible is, uh, is oppressive because it, it teaches us only certain forms of sexuality. And so you have to, the reason why the questions have been changing is because culture has been changing. And the reason why we train young adults is because we need to regain a, a confident a confidence in scripture and, and a, a worldview that, that gives them a hope and vision and a vision for the things of God, rather than just being duped into all of the lies around them. And so we see regularly that our young adults come out of our training and they're not deceived. They're not afraid. They're strong and resilient. And the reason, the reason for that is because they have a, they have a, um, a vision and a, and a, and a calling and almost like a context for their faith, which is the real world into everywhere. Not just what we've been spoon feeding them, which is uh, previously in other, in, a, in, in our churches, which is, you know, in a youth group where we're playing games or in, in, a, in a moment where once in a while you talk about Jesus evangelistically, but you would never think of influencing the, the firm that you work for or the department that you serve in. Uh, to the glory of God for the sake of then opening doors for evangelism. So yeah. Yeah, train your youth with worldview training. And Amen. Save America and save the world. Yeah. 
All right. Well, God bless you. I cannot thank you enough, Michael. We're out of time now, unfortunately, but what a blessing it has been to connect with you. And we just wish you uh, all the best in your endeavors. We pray that God would uh, expand your vineyards and, uh, and we just can't thank you enough for all that you're doing. God bless you and God bless Canada. God bless Canada. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it, Jim. It's uh, great having me on. All right. Take care. We'll see you guys next week here on I'm Glad You Said That.